This PBS NewsHour podcast is supported in part by Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. Thanks to Dana-Farber's foundational work, protein degradation can target and destroy cancer-causing proteins right inside the cell. It's how Dana-Farber is working to treat previously untreatable cancers. Learn more at DanaFarber.org slash everywhere. It is a tiny vial with big ambitions to help bring an end to the pandemic everywhere on Earth. The developers of the so-called vaccine for the world hope what's inside can ease the equity issues surrounding global COVID vaccine distribution. John Yang has the story. Some squeezed their eyes shut as they got their shot. Others turned their heads away. These school children in Chennai, India, were among the first in the world to get a dose of a new low-cost COVID-19 vaccine called Corbivax, manufactured by the Indian pharmaceutical company Biological E. It was developed half a world away in Houston, Texas, home to the world's largest medical hub, including Texas Children's Hospital at Baylor College of Medicine. That's where microbiologist Maria Elena Botazzi and physician Peter Hotez hang their lab coats, heading up research at the National School of Tropical Medicine. If your house is on fire and you can make one phone call, you don't call the patent attorney, you call the fire department, and we want to be the fire department for the world. They've made their recipe for a COVID-19 vaccine, which uses a decades-old method, available to low- and middle-income countries at no cost. We give them a box, a drop box, and a Zoom link. And with that, you basically have access not only to all our free agents, consumables, information, and we get access to us and our team of scientists. And that's what really true diplomacy in vaccine development should look like. Why is another vaccine necessary? In high-income countries, 71% of people have been vaccinated with at least one dose. In low-income countries, that number is 15%. And many of those poorer countries are in Africa, where government resources are scarce and access to vaccines has been limited. It's a problem the head of the World Health Organization had foreseen. As we began to see some countries striking bilateral deals with manufacturers, we warned that the poorest and most vulnerable would be trampled in the global stampede for vaccines. And that's exactly what has happened. I mean, I remember when that COVID-19 sequence came online. I have first person to call. I called, of course, is Mary Elena. We've worked together for 20 years. Hey, Mary Elena, I think we, I think we can do this. Hotez and Batazzi put their lab to work, building on a decade of research on what's known as recombinant protein technology. It's what's used in the common childhood vaccine against hepatitis B. It involves using yeast to copy a harmless piece of the coronavirus's very recognizable spike protein and create a vaccine that teaches the immune system to recognize and fight the virus. Tell me what we're, what we're seeing here. So this is our brewing room. Your brewing room. And by brewing, it's because very honestly, when you use yeast and we use fermentation of yeast, it's the same as if you were brewing beer. The yeast grow, and instead of course of secreting alcohol, we actually make them secrete our protein of choice, which is our vaccine. Is it finding the right recipe, as it were, that, that to, for this brew to, to grow what you want it to grow? In 
theory, it's relatively simple. Again, very, very traditional. It's been around at least, what, for making vaccine For making vaccines for decades. But does Corbivax work? India's phase three clinical trial is ongoing at 18 sites across the country. And a clinical trial for children aged five to 18 is also underway. And it looks like one of the advantages of this protein-based vaccine, it seems to hold up to the variants better than most other technologies. Overall, I think that we have very robust immune responses. Funding for their lab work didn't come easily. The U.S. government was more focused on new, innovative technology that produces vaccine doses quickly. They wanted to have a piece of mRNA that you could make in a few days and uh, with no real situational awareness to the fact that when you have a brand new technology from that, there's a learning curve before you go from zero to nine billion, which is what you needed for the world's people living in poverty in Africa, Asia, and Latin America. And so it was all about speed and innovation enough to vaccinate the North, North America, Western Europe, and the UK. How did they eventually raise the money? I think Texas um, is philanthropic like you would not believe. Foundations which we already had prior uh, experience with for our other neglected disease vaccine portfolio, you know, they came to the rescue. Tito's Vodka came to us. What was your reaction when you got the call from Tito's? You're never surprised totally where the funding comes from. It comes from the most uh, interesting sources and being here in Texas made that possible. Part of the vaccine equity problem lies in the wide variation in prices around the world and the lack of cost transparency. This no-frills vaccine, which doesn't require the special handling that others do, is being manufactured in Hyderabad, India, at a cost to the Indian government of $1.90 a dose. And the company can make 100 million doses a month. By contrast, a dose of Pfizer in the United States costs the government $19.50, a price that's expected to rise. If you are a privileged you know, member of society with money, you have access to health and you most likely can afford a medicine. But those who don't are really the ones who suffer. I grew up in Honduras and growing up, you definitely see the impact that um, poor health has on a child to be able to grow as an economic, productive member of a society. Um, so that's been my drive, you know, to work in this space of a money-losing guaranteed biotechnology company where really the, our, our, our revenues are how many people we can touch by bringing these technologies to those who really need it. I really appreciate working with Dr. Patazzi these last 20 years because, you know, she's made me realize also how global health very much operates along an colo old colonial model right, that only Japan, Western Europe, and the U.S. and Canada really know how to do this stuff, Australia, and eventually it'll filter down. It's not true. Um, so we're very much adherents of this idea of decolonizing global health. This gift to the world has also been approved in Botswana and Indonesia, with the potential to soon reach millions more of the unvaccinated. For the PBS NewsHour, I'm John Yang in Houston.